we're going to dive into the Season 6 first impression that I'm, again, very much looking forward to because I was excited about Season 5. You know, it had some fun stuff, but it felt a little bit, at least for me, both as a creator and as a player, it felt a little bit bland for me, even though there was a lot of fun stuff that came out. It didn't excite me to the, to the same extent that Season 4 does, and it definitely didn't excite me to the, to the same extent that Season 6 has. I am so excited for the season. So before we dive in, just a little bit of a story. What the steering committee has decided to do is that we want to try and stick with a core theme for our seasons going forward. So up until recently, for between Seasons 1 and 5, we've just created random cards, which means we spitball ideas. Someone wants to create a Darksaber card. That was me. You can thank me for that crazy card. And someone wants to create, you know, a certain character, Jinnah, so Cassian. Those are just ideas which come up over time and we apply them and we put them into play. We test them and we put them out. What we did very specifically with the season is that before we started designing cards, we said, okay, what is the topic of the season? Then once we have the topic, we then made the majority of the cards in the season to fit the design, to fit the aesthetic niche of that topic. And the topic that we had for season six was the one, the only, Mandalorian. Now, it started out actually as being a Mandalorians, so not the Mandalorian series, but the general theme and lore of Mandalore. So there were a lot of general Mandalorian things that I'm not going to get into, because they very well could be coming up in a future season, and I hope they are, because there were a lot of fun things planned there. And so what we did is that we designed the majority of Season 6 around, rather than Mandalorians, we went for The Mandalorian, the TV show Season 2. And I think it turned out pretty, pretty well. So different factions will have different amounts of cards from the season, but I think it's going to be good fun. A lot of the cards, I am so excited to get played. So I've got a very busy rest of my week now preparing for UK Games Expo, but once I get back, my goodness, I'm very much looking forward to being able to break out some of these cards and get them onto the virtual, most likely, table. But we're going to dive right in, and I'm going to be a little bit sneaky, and I'm actually going to take the first card for myself because... This card is one that I've probably been most interested in creating. Her abilities at the end of it, I think, are very, very fun. And I think that this character is going to change the way that you can play Rebels in a good way without absolutely destroying everything. So this is the one, the only, Cara Dune Dropper Veteran. She's a nine-point Rebel figure, Trooper Brawler, Heavy Weapon. Very diverse set of traits there. She has 14 health, speed 4, a range attack of blue, red, red, so very low range, but high damage output, and defense, one black die. Her abilities are an innate, plus 1 accuracy, and plus 1 block. She has a surge for plus 2 damage, and blast 1, and she has a surge for blast 2, so a lot of explosions going on, and she also has a keyword in her surge box called professional, and we're going to get to that in, in a little bit of a second, because season 6 has in has included a new concept in Imperial Assault that we're going to touch on. As for abilities, it's very simple. Only two abilities, which you guys know. I love having few abilities, even on a unique character. Because if you can make a very powerful, very fun, very interesting, char unique character, who essentially is a queen piece. Nine points, that health pool, that attack output. Karadun is a queen piece. And she's only got two abilities, which is incredible. But these abilities are, first and foremost, Smash. Once during your activation, choose one adjacent hostile figure and roll a red die. That figure suffers damage equal to the damage results. Then if it is a small figure, you may push it one space. The second ability, Hug Down. 
Whilst defending, if you share a corner or edge with a space containing blocking, impassable, or difficult terrain, apply plus one evade to your defense results. So before I ask David and Jess what you two think of this card, I just want to talk about what that professional thing in the corner means. And then we'll get into that, and then we'll get into Cardoon more generally. So what the Syrian community has been doing, and this is exactly what Josh was alluring to, in the previous episode. So we decided that we wanted to clean up the cards. At this point, everyone knows what efficient travel does. Everyone knows what priority target does. Everyone knows what professional does. And it does constrain us because again, we do follow Todd's design concept of create the most interesting ability and rules possible whilst using the least words as possible. And being able to remove the entirety of an ability which is as powerful and as useful as professional because having a reroll is insanely powerful and a lot of good figures they do need it just pure mathematically speaking they need a reroll and not having to be constrained by needing to be able to account for that reroll whilst creating abilities was seems for us to be a very useful thing which means that now professional on all upcoming imperial assault cards we're not going to rewrite the old ones you know if you've printed them they're printed you don't have to change them or anything but for all the new ones we're going to have professional efficient travel and priority target as keywords in the search bar. So what do you two think of that? Do you think that makes the game simpler? Do you think it creates a barrier? I'm curious to hear what you think. Well, I can directly comment on how it might create a barrier for new players. Yeah. So I, I've, I've played a lot of the other um, FFG or, or now you know, Asmodee minis games. So things like Legion, Crisis Protocol. And I... It is so noticeable in a game that you do not play often when they start removing the text and just putting the keywords there. Because you will remember that last time when you played with a unit, that keyword was explained nicely in the card, and now mm. I've got to go look it up. And it is, it is annoying, but if you played that game a lot, I guess it wouldn't make a difference. Like for, for Imperial Assault, yeah, it, it seems nice. I don't think anyone who's been playing for a while doesn't know what professional means. Hmm. Uh, but that, that that is clearly going to happen with with new players who, you know, one time play Gomorian yeah. Guards or something. And it's it's very straightforward. And then next time they play somebody else and they're like, hmm, I thought I knew what <laughs> professional did, but now I don't remember. Hmm. And where do I find it? Absolutely. I think that is absolutely something that, you know, we did obviously think about that. But, you know, in someone's search bar, we also have abilities such as Blast. You know, that's also a keyword. And arguably, Professional is just as simple as Blast. Blast is deal this amount of damage to the figures adjacent. And Professional is reroll a die. Obviously, Blast, you know, just by reading it, it's, you kind of get an idea of what it does, whereas Professional can be a little more different. But... It's definitely something to keep in mind. You know, if we have a lot of new players enter the game in the course of the next few months and we get a lot of feedback that I'm getting very confused playing Kara. I'm not sure what she's supposed to do. She's always low rolls, yada, yada, yada. You know, then we're going to keep it in mind. But I think I, generally... I honestly don't think, I don't think anyone who's got enough energy to complain at you will complain about this. It's just going to be <laughs> the people who, you know, play it very casually, occasionally... Yeah that might be annoyed at it but obviously like i said 
you know, Atomic Mass and FFG are doing the same thing. So they, they seem to think it's a good idea as well. I mean, it does neaten up the card a lot. I think it does help a lot in designing new cards. But just to kind of just get a little perspective, when you say nobody who plays this game, uh, everybody that plays this game would know what that means. I don't remember what Professional did because I have not played this game in some time. <laughs> no, that's so, definitely true. Um, what would be good though is if you included because you know how you have the like all IACP cards PDF mm -hmm. if maybe you had like at the very beginning a uh, like a reference card you know like this means this mm. this means this, this means that and you can just shove that at a new player and then they have it easily accessible because like David was saying, uh, the big problem is if you don't remember it and you don't know where to look to figure out what that means, that's when we run into problems. But if it's just always there, that little reference card is there, then you're like, oh, it's just on the reference card. I'll, I'll take a look at it. But just kind of as like good etiquette, this is generally what happens um, when people sit together at a table anyways. I found this happens very regularly is you just chat about what your list is. Um, so you're like, oh, what does Cara Dune do? And then your opponent will like explain it. And that's mm. generally kind of a nice thing to do at the start of a match just so that everybody's clear about what everything does and we don't have that bit of the kind of knowledge barrier that is off-putting to new players no i think that's a very very good point yeah it's, it's kind of a you know damned if you do damned if you don't yeah. situation it does make <laughs> the cards a lot neater exactly you know nothing that in the icp ever does is going to be a hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad there will always be caveats and things to think about i think it's a really elegant solution yeah, I, I think so as well. Alright, but how about Cara Dune in general? So I'll obviously get into her and what I think about her in a little bit, but what do you two think about her, her stats or abilities? I feel like she looks really strong. <laughs> hmm. I mean, everybody loves rolling a fistful of red dice. Oh yeah. The smash <laughs> looks really good too, and the smash doesn't take an action, right? Correct. That looks pretty strong. Uh, and I like that it's a roll the dice as well, because that's always fun. And I like how it's not like a grenade where you can lob it safely from mm. far away. I like how this one you really have to get in close. So it gives that little bit of a little bit more thought has to be put into when you use that. Um, but also she has the built-in one block, so she's a little bit more survivable with 14 health for 9 points. Pretty decent. Um, so I quite like the design. Well, she's got a built-in block and evade if you can get to a terrain feature. I think that, that sounds pretty defensive. Yeah. You know, slap some extra armor in there and you've got a Boba Fett-like defenses mm. absolutely and that's what you know i i play tested her quite a lot and that's kind of what we came up with as well that she is we're keeping an eye on her um because she's one of those you know every single season we, we've got one of those figures where we release them but we're like uh, okay we'll keep an eye on it and we'll probably adjust it accordingly in 6.1 
Yeah. And I think she might lose the plus one block just because, I mean, like you guys say, if it you play her. really good. Yeah, I mean, if you play her right, she has Boba Fett's defense pool. She can't move as fast as Boba. She can't flamethrower like Boba, which is huge because the reason Boba is so defensive as well is that he can flamethrower someone with the innate of aid means that you're never going to get any surge through. With a mm-hmm. black die and an innate surge, with an innate of aid, you can still get surges through. It's just a little more difficult. And obviously, she is a rebel figure, which means you're not going to have royal guards. You're not going to have Zillow. You're not going to have those kinds of things. Sure, you've got a little bit more healing. But the thing is also that she does have very... She's she wants to get close into the action. It's very low range, but she doesn't, which means that you can't really play her very well in an MHD box, which is good because someone with her defensive profile in an MHD box would be gross. Yeah, but it's going to be very difficult to pull that off because unless your opponent comes to you, then you know, Kara can only guaranteed hit range three, and even with professional, I wouldn't go at range four if I didn't have to. Yeah, and I like how her design really feels like it fits with the character as well which is cool absolutely how about you david what do you think about the character yeah she looks pretty fun i mean i i think as you say there are a lot of characters that feel like they want to be closer but at the same time you don't want them to be closer (laughs) whereas she she leans you know very far into this whole brawler slash close range yet shooty yeah, the brawler tag does give her a lot of fun tools too. Brawler yes. trooper is really nice. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that gets played out. Yeah, blast three sounds really really crazy too. That's gonna hurt, but she doesn't roll so many surges. So. Right. No, absolutely. The thing that I love most about uh, the Cardoon card is actually exactly what you said there, Jess. The different traits that she has. Trooper, brawler, heavy weapon. What does that mean? She can fit into a trooper list and she will be incredible because she can run around with a lot of echo-based troopers, maybe rangers. She can really deal some splash damage and, and single target damage. Blue, blue, red, red with the reroll is not to be scoffed at. So one, That's one of the best attack pools in the game with as good surges as well. She's very, very good in trooper list. How about brawlers? Well, she wants to go in close anyway, so you could put her in a Jedi list and then you can really take advantage of, like you said, those brawler cards, that grizzly contest, parting blow, which we're going to talk about after her command card, because mm. Kara can run up, shoot, smash, parting blow, shoot. Nasty. That's pretty crazy. And she's nine points, which means unshakable. Mm-hmm. So I think unshakable is going to make its way into a lot more rebel lists than it did previously. But then also heavy weapon. You know, we know how, how valuable spies are in today's meta. You could run her with two sets of saboteurs. And that would be very, very well. Everyone has rerolls. Everyone has blast. They all have priority target. She doesn't care about priority target because she can just push people out of the way with a smash. The thing I love, I like about her so much is that she can fit into so many different archetypes of lists, but they are all different archetypes than we are currently seeing in the meta at the moment. One of the biggest criticisms that I've heard about from the about the IACP from players is the fact that what we've done is that we've created a ton of options in the rebel faction for the same thing. We've got Davith, we've got Jin, we've got all these Jedi. You know, the six to eight point brawler rebel spot is very, very, very filled, which means you can make a lot of different interesting lists, but it's the same archetype. Cara Dune is barring Chewbacca, essentially. Even, even there, she plays differently from Chewbacca. But the, the only rebel figure I could compare her to is Chewbacca, which I think 
is good is good because that's a completely fresh area of the rebel faction that I I like that we are branching into. You should just play her with Chewbacca. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Cara Dune runs up, smashes someone, then Chewie runs up, slams someone. That's two decent. That's two red dice's worth of damage without yeah, exactly. spending an action and two pushes. Kara and some Wookiees. Hmm. Really get use of that brawler keyword then as well. <laughs> that would be gross. Alrighty, Jess, do you want to read off Kara's command card for us? Sure. Alright, so Kara Dune's uh, command card is ambush. Use when an attack targeting you is declared. If you share an edge or corner with a space containing impassable or blocking terrain, interrupt to move up to four spaces to a space adjacent to the attacker and you smash against that figure. Mmm, it's pretty cool. That looks pretty good. <laughs> it is very, very strong. And again, if you've got parting blow in hand, you can run up. You know, essentially, essentially, you can give them slow on the draw. You run up, you punch them in the face, and then you shoot them before they can even shoot you. Obviously, that requires two very specific command cards and three points worth of cards. And compared to the other three point cards, such as Lamb, I don't think that's necessarily better. But it's very, very good. And again, I like that Kara needs to be played well because Kara, she's going to be a huge target for your opponent. And if you don't play her defensively enough that she can get the evade from from the terrain but also offensively enough that she can run in and get her smashes off and get her shots off she can fall apart surprisingly quickly and i think yeah. ambush does the exact same thing you want to play her carefully and i think that's a good thing she's definitely one of the difficult to play figures just like krennic that we're trying to release this season what's the timing window on ambush uh, targeting use declared, so that's after attacker spends card, spends on declared yeah. cards. Yeah, I like it where it's good. It is definitely very strong, but at the same time, like you said, it's dependent on positioning and like your starting positioning, and you really mm. have to think carefully about whether or not you want Kara to end up there, because if you are running headlong then into their whole team that can be very sketchy. Especially if your opponent shoots you very specifically far enough away from from terrain so that if you were to run up and, sla and smash them, you wouldn't actually still get your evade bonus from yep. the attack. So there's a lot of bait that you can do. You can actually out-ambush the ambush, so to speak. <laughs> there are going to be some edge cases where you can smash them out of line of sight. Yes. And then your parting blow lets you shoot them, but then they get nothing entirely. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm very much looking forward to Cara Dune. She is by f she is by far my favorite character to come out of season six. And, you know, she was generally, you know, we all worked on her, of course, but she was generally my baby, just like the Darksaber and Krennic were back in the day. And it's been very nice to have a card that I've really been able to put my heart and soul into. And again, everyone on the Zero Committee has worked on her and put in their sen their two cents and everything. And it's been great. That's why she turned out so good. But we'll see. I do think that she might lose the plus one the plus one block, but apart from that, I think she's she's in a very, very good spot. If you play well, you can definitely play around her. And if you play her badly, she's not gonna do well. Yeah. Alrighty, David, would you like to to read off the good old clone for us? Right, so the the next change i guess is to ct1701 wildfire um so he's he's six points now 
think he's got 11 health, 4 speed, blue, green, green attack, black defense dice. I think this is all the same as, as before. Surge for 1 damage, surge to gain a damage token, and surge for 2 accuracy and weaken. He's got barrage, which is uh, 2 attacks, where the second target must be within 3 spaces of the first target space, and adds a white die to the defense pool. And cover fire, after you resolve an attack, distribute one block to a friendly figure within three spaces. Then if it did not miss, you can discard one condition or power token from the target. So you can get rid of people's buffs. I, I've actually always liked CT. I think he was just a little bit short. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, because his his keywords are among one of the best combos in the game. You know, one reason why the sentry droids are so good is because they are trooper guardians. And CT is that as well. And I think you can do some very sneaky things with CT, because if you run him in the rebel faction and you put get behind me in your command deck list, he's an 11 point figure. He can take a hit and survive. So if you keep him close to one of your kind of queen pieces and there's a particularly, you know, there's a tools on the job Hondo attack coming in, you can just play CT, uh, play get behind me, UCT. And what I also think that CT works very well with Kara. I think the two of them will work very well together because for that one, that same reason, CT can protect Kara when push comes to shove. They've got the trait synergy of both being troopers, but also cover fire. Him being able to do barrage and then give out two block tokens mean that he can really, really ramp up Kara's defense throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think at six points he looks pretty good. I mean, he's almost approaching that two health per point imperial beefy threshold. Yeah. He's got two two attacks, two three dice attacks. Mm. I like him, but I I've always kind of liked him. I mean, he's really fun in campaign. Yes. Yeah, really good in campaign. Yeah, it's just a really kind of a small change to points. Uh, he's one point less and one health less. Barrage is the same as before, uh, but the cover fire is uh the the new the new ability, and I think that is nicer. And it's you can definitely see it being useful more consistently. A hundred percent. I I look forward to using him. I think he, especially with you know the next few cards we're going to get into, the rebel faction has gotten. Actually, I think every single new rebel card has the trooper keyword. So I think rebel trooper lists are definitely going to make a comeback this season, which I think is a very interesting thing because trooper lists. Obviously, you had the rangers who were great for a very long time, but apart from that, rebel troopers were never really. A very popular thing, sure. Yeah, you know, we had rebel troopers in the 2016 World Championships finals, but that was because the player was incredibly talented, not necessarily because they were amazing. But now I think there's there going to be more reasons to run that kind of archetype, which is good. Yeah, I remember Echo Base troopers were around for a little bit, yeah, way back in the day, but not so much. Alrighty, well, I'll jump on to the next rebel hero. Who is also a trooper. And this is one that I think we're going to talk about a little bit, because I think this might be also one of those ones that we might want to pull back a little bit on, but we'll see. So, this is the one, the only, Kotun Ferralo, Rebel Quartermaster. She's a trooper, leader, 7 points. Health is 11, she's got a speed of 4, a range attack of blue-blue-green, so again, sniper, and a defense of single black die. She has a surge for plus 2 damage, Search for plus three accuracy and innate professional mean that she gets to reroll a die. 
She has three abilities. One is Arms Distribution. At the beginning of your activation, distribute two wild power tokens among up to two friendly figures within three spaces. Dead Precise. When a friendly figure within three spaces spends a power token while attacking, apply PS1 and minus one dodge to the attack results. Squad Cohesion. While a friendly rebel figure within three spaces declares an attack, it may spend a power token from a friendly rebel figure within three spaces of itself for its effect. That's a lot of stacks. Yeah, and just for some comparison, um, the arms distribution has been changed so that you can distribute uh, the power tokens of your choice versus before um, it had to be one uh, damage token and one block token. So it just makes it a little bit more flexible. And also the dead precise has pierce one and the minus uh, one dodge, whereas before it only had the minus one dodge. And squad cohesion is completely new. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think she's probably borderline a little bit too good. Because she falls into one of those issues where you think that, oh, well, she's seven points and she's a support figure. So she should have much better, you know, a much better buff ability than a four or five point support figure. The problem with that logic is that she's got an attack, <laughs> which is very worth her points of seven points, which means that the buffs and the stacks just kind of add on top of that. Comparing her to Krennic, with Krennic, if you're within three, then you may suffer a strain while you spend a token to double the effects of the token. If you're within three of Kotun, you don't take a strain, you apply pierce one and minus a dodge. Now, that's interesting. Plus one damage from a plus one damage token will always be useful. Pierce one and minus one dodge will not always be useful. There are many, many times that you will get that attack off and your opponent will only roll invade, but roll a blank, and you won't get that extra thing. But that is still two very, very good effects. Arms distribution, I think two power tokens is just too much. I think it should be one one wild, if I'm completely honest. I mean, I, I think the minus dodge is better than you're giving it credit for, though. True. When it, when it does work, it really, really... Yep. When you need it to work, it is game-changing. And the fact is that it is basically impossible, with squad cohesion... You just put her within three of your big shooter. Oh, I mean, can you imagine her with Han? Han suddenly is now going to get Pierce 1. He's going to get a power token, so that's plus one damage. He's going to get Pierce 1 and minus one dodge. Yeah. Han is going to be insane with Kotun. Yeah, and you don't even need, yeah, Yeah, and you don't even need to put the power tokens on Han. Han can just stand in front, so he's the one who's taking all of the hits. Whereas three spaces away, around the corner, there's Kotun with two tokens, and because of squad cohesion, then Han can spend her tokens around the corner and then still get the effects of Dead Precise. I mean, the way squad cohesion is worded, Han can actually s spend tokens from other stuff that's not within range of Kotun as well. Exactly. So Han could spend a token from someone who's within three of him whilst within three of Kotun, so a figure who is six away from Kotun. So that's the thing. I, sh I think she's a very interesting design space. But this... I just think she's a little bit overtuned. Not in a bad way. You know, I do. Th I think rebel troopers need the help. But the thing with Krennic is that he, he was a very specific buff to rebel troopers. It's Imperial only rebel troopers. troopers who get the buffs that Krennic gives out. You mean very Imperial specifically troopers. Done. 
Oh, 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 sorry, yeah, in, in, Imperial Troopers. <laughs> Imperial Troopers, Maybe yeah. they're, they're inspired because he's <laughs> against them. <laughs> exactly. Whereas with Kotun, it's legitimately anyone, you know? Luke, suddenly, can run up, and if he's if Kotun is close enough, then Kotun can make Luke dead precise with his lightsaber swing. It, mm. I, I don't know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, so I would be pretty happy to see it be changed to just troopers. I think that would be a good balancing factor because, again, compared to Krennic, she's only two points more expensive. She's got a ridiculously better attack than Krennic. Blue, blue, green with a reroll. Even though Krennic has better surges. But she's got the range to... She's got range for days. Yeah. And Krennic... She's probably got she more have... range than you can use on a lot of maps. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. A little bit overtuned, but still, I, I like the direction she's going in. I think she's in a nice design spot. I, you know, I love. I would love to see the return of trooper metas. You know, having imperial troopers. That's why Krennic was created. Having rebel troopers. That's why Kotun was created. So I think it's a good niche to continue in, but just I think needs a little more work. All right, Jess, would you like to jump into the Echo Base Trooper for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we've got Echo Base Trooper, trooper tag only. Uh, seven points for the squad, four points for the unit, and we've got eight health, four speed, uh, attack blue-green, defense black die. Still got efficient travel, and they have plus two accuracy, surge for plus two damage, and a surge for plus two accuracy pierce one. And they have an ability frontline while attacking. If the target is within three spaces of you, you may replace one blue die with one red die. And Cortosis Weave, while you are defending, reduce the pierce value of the attack results by two to a minimum of zero. Yeah, it seems solid. I think the, the big change is extra accuracy, right? Yeah. Because the, the way it was before, they basically had to hit you with their rifle in melee in order to, <laughs> to successfully use that uh, red die swap. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest change about them. And it is interesting because the side effect of that has become that you will now always do frontline if they're within three. And also, if you choose not to do frontline, they have minimum range five. That's the same as the rangers. Obviously, the rangers, obviously, you know, they are able to reroll two dice while attacking, and they have search for plus three accuracy, but I think it is comparable. I think they are going to turn into very effective sniper units who can hit like a truck in close combat, because I ran Echo Base Troopers quite a lot in the early days of IACP, and a focused Echo Base Trooper will do a surprising amount of damage, especially when in close. Yeah, so it looks like it is one point cheaper. There is their, uh, they've got the built-in plus two accuracy, which we which they didn't have before, and the pierce has less accuracy. I mean, sorry, the surge has less accuracy, but has pierce one included, and the defensive ability is slightly better. So it's just like a slight tweak, giving them that built-in accuracy so they can shoot from a little bit further away, which is good considering they only have a two-dice attack pool, so they definitely needed that little help of accuracy in order to be able to shoot at a range comparable to some of the other trooper figures. I think they're good. I mean, Cortosis Weave is very interesting, because in the Rebel faction, it, I mean, it's basically innate Zillow on them, which is pretty cool. It's a very interesting design space. 
Yeah, rebels don't have that ability to just use Zillow. That's kind of one of the main problems with using rebel trooper lists before is that they just don't have that access to that defensibility mm-hmm. like Imperial Troop Swarm does. Exactly. I guess they they used to just be built on dodge. <laughs> rebels are built on luck. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> I have to change the name of the podcast from Built on Hope to Built on Luck, a podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial assaults. To rolling the dice. <laughs> the podcast pizza. dedicated to rolling the dodge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're cool. Looking forward to seeing how they... I, th- I think they're going to play well, because again, they're going to pair very well with Kara. You could run them yeah. with rangers for some very effective long-range sniper lists. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of rebel trooper lists people play. 100%. Yeah. I think it's also just nice to give rebels that sort of thematic list availability too. Speaking of troopers, we've got another new trooper. Indeed. Alrighty, do you want to jump into this one, David? Sure. It's a five-point squad upgrade trooper. It's the Z6 trooper um, from Legion, I suppose. <laughs> eight, eight health, four speed, black defense die. Attack is green, green, yellow. And it has built-in blast one, search for plus two damage, and a search for plus two accuracy and pierce one. The ability is auto fire, perform an attack. The defending figure adds one white die to its defense pool. This attack gains surge. After this attack resolves, perform an attack targeting a figure within three spaces of the target space. It's like a, a mini CT. Yeah. The order of that is interesting. What I do like is that, unless I'm completely mistaken here, if you if the first attack were to be dodged because of the additional white eye, if you have a surge, you can still spend it. Because it just it doesn't say if the attack did not miss. It just says after the attack resolves, form an attack targeting an, a, a figure within three spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's so it essentially turns into, you know, if it, if they don't dodge, it just turns into a free attack if you get the surge off. If they don't dodge but you don't get the surge, then that's it's not ideal. But you know that is kind of what a Z six does. It's a heavy rotating auto cannon essentially, and it's not very precise. Sometimes you're going to do loads of damage. Sometimes you're going to do nothing, and that's just how the cookie crumbles. See, I like dicey game mechanics. Yes. <laughs> I know not everyone <laughs> does. Variants. I I personally don't mind the dodges on the white die. I think there's a lot of kind of contention in the community about that. I love those moments. I guess Mm. because I just find that the kind of the way that I enjoy the game is different. And some people really like controlling the board and knowing what's going to happen and mitigating effects. Whereas I like those moments where Sometimes you gotta just leave it up to the dice gods. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that that's what makes it interesting, because again, not every card that comes out of an IACP should be a full-on spike card. There should be Johnny mm-hmm. cards, and there should also be Timmy cards every now and again, and I think that's something the steering committee, we, we should keep that in mind, to make sure that sometimes we create a fun, thematic character who doesn't need to be top-table ready. Just mm-hmm. good enough to be able to appease those those Timmy players around, because there are a lot of Timmy players. There are. Imperial Assault is a beautiful game with wonderful mechanics, 
And some people play it for the theme. Yeah, but this looks like a lot of fun. And having it as a squad upgrade, I think, is cool. So you can just kind of slap that in with another group. And just, yeah, I, I, I like it. I agree. And I also like the, the keyword synergy with both Trooper and Heavy Weapon. So I think you know, they could go with Kara very, very well. It's interesting that it's not allowed to be put onto a Trooper group with three figures. Hmm. What was the thinking behind that? Unless they are Ewoks, we don't want to have a four activation group in the game. Aha, uh-huh. okay. That was, yep. that was is the it, thought is process. it mainly that you don't want them on Alliance Rangers or something? I can't imagine <laughs> putting this on uh, you know, regular yeah. rebel troopers Ooh, would be too, that too much. Would be nasty. <laughs> I mean, because of how the rangers work and then with auto fire you could essentially get five attacks out in a single activation. Three ranger shots from the other side of the map. Z6 runs in, (laughs) auto-fire. The thing is, you could do auto-fire, then play element of surprise. So you just go rid of the the dodge, in which case, as long as you Mm -hmm. roll a surge, it's going to be two attacks. With an 8-blast one, three ranger shots and two Z6 shots in one activation would be a little bit punishing. Well, it's in in rubble, so just play Kotun. They're not dodging anything anyways. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. What have you done? <laughs> Indeed. Right, well, before we jump into the scum faction, any final thoughts about the rebel faction? I'm really, really, really excited for the rebel faction. Up until now in ICP, the rebels have been fun, but my love since jumping into ICP has been Empire and Scum. That's really where the Johnny things have been for me. You know, I've enjoyed rebels, enjoying running forces and those kinds of things, but... That's usually either Timmy or Spike. And as a very heavy Johnny player, I like, you know, throwing Boba into a list with 10 points of upgrades and having him be super oppressive, that kind of thing. There isn't really that kind of thing in Rebels, but you can start doing those kinds of things now. Kara, I think, will change the way that some people, not the way that you will play Rebels, but it gives you another way to play Rebels and one that I'm thoroughly looking forward to giving a try. How about you guys? I do feel that this season there are fewer cards, but the cards that are there should have a bigger impact on the types of lists that you build because you, you've got a new new queen piece you've got the attachments cartoons bringing a lot too i think it, it changes what the faction can do and what types of lists you can build and what might be meta for rebels a bit more than you know just adding more six seven point brawlers or something exactly and I think ultimately that's a good thing for the meta because we we we've done enough in that area. If you want to play six, seven, eight point brawlers, you know, it's just a very heavy brawler list. There are tons of options for you. If you still want more, I'm sure we're going to have more eventually. Because let's just be honest, it's not really been a design choice. It's more been of a well, most characters in Star Wars tend to be figures who would fit the definition of six, seven, eight point figures, such as you know Jin Erso, those kinds of people. You know, we're not going to make Jyn Erso to be a Vage level thing, and we're also not going to make her be a Hera level person. I think it's good that the Rebels have more options. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what lists come out of it. You know, I love me some troopers. Oh yeah. Yeah, we might see Jess really breaking out the Rebel troopers this time, rather than the Imperial ones. Yeah, this is one of the main reasons I don't play Rebel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens. That was because you love the Palpatine so much. Let's not not discuss Palpatine. (laughs) Alrighty, so let's dive right into the second faction we're going to get into. Once again, six cards. 
And I'll read off the first one. So this first one is a very interesting one because we have decided to create a season two version of the Mandalorian. So this is not a replacement. You can still use the other version of the Mandalorian. Oh, and I was still... about to ask. And I still think there's a very good reason to run the other Mando because they do very different things. One Mando is a eight point figure who can snipe very well and is, but it is, is a little bit slower. Whereas this Mando is 10 points. He, he plays very differently. So I'll jump into it. So the Mandalorian Rising Phoenix. He is a hunter, guardian, and vehicle. That's an addition from the previous one. He is 10 points. Health is 16. Speed is 5. Attack is ranged blue, green, red. And defense of black. He has innate mobile and innate professional. He has also an innate plus 1 block. He's got surge for plus 2 damage and a surge for plus 2 accuracy, pierce 1. And he has three abilities. First and foremost, we have Quested. You may decrease the cost of Clan of Two by one. If you do during setup, you must attach that card to this group. Protective Fire. After an attack targeting another friendly figure within three spaces resolves, you may interrupt to perform an attack targeting the attacker. Limit once per round. And finally, he has a special action ability, which is called Beskar Spear. Move up to two spaces, then perform a melee attack using your attack pool. This attack gains, gains reach and pierce too. Very, very nasty. I think he looks really good. Yeah, he looks really good. Speed 5, I just find, is really, really useful because especially I play Imperial and it's almost exclusively Speed 4. Yeah. And that little extra with Speed 5 really makes a big difference. Especially with mobile. Yeah. yeah. And then also with the flexibility of using Beskar Spear to get an extra little movement to change your positioning that's that's pretty cool ability absolutely and again i don't think that this replaces the other mandalorian in any way i think if you want to play the child as in you know grogu on the mandalorian then i think you're gonna go for this one. Oh yeah Since because it's free okay. yeah as it's free and i think that the te this 10 point mandalorian is better than a nine point other mandalorian with grogu I just think that's a reality, ultimately. So I think if you're going for the child, I think you're going for this one. But if you go for the other Mandalorian in his early days, you know, before he properly got the child and everything, I think that still works, because that one has a flamethrower. This one doesn't have a flamethrower. The other one, he doesn't have protective fire, but he's got the disruptor rifle, which means that he does more damage. He's more likely to kill someone. And just things like that. I, I think that the other one is still good. But what I especially like about this Mandalorian is that he's going to be very, very fun in what you can create, because you could really create a proper jetpack list right now. You could run, have an Imperial list, temporary alliance, pull in Boba and the Mandalorian, throw some jet troopers in there. Whew. I mean, this, this one is also much more defensive. Yes, absolutely. Right, because I guess he's got actual Beskar now. <laughs> <laughs> so he has the, the built-in plus one block, but that, that just means you can token him up and give him plus two block on the exactly. defense whereas the other one was cap exactly yeah that should be fun and then you you know you play a fuel upgrade or something and he can get plus, plus two block and plus one evade Beskar. all the jetpacks yes and i mean just the ability to have both boba and the mandalorian in a list two five or six point high health high defense high mobility hunters <laughs> i mean that's good. And the interesting mm. thing is that he has, he's got more health than Boba. Obviously, I, d I think he's still less defensive because he is slower. 
Actually, is he less offensive? I don't think he is. He, well, he has one less built-in symbol. But he is a guardian, which means Iron Will. And Iron Will is, mm. I will always say, some people disagree, but it is one of the strongest cards of the game. Mm. The, the reason that I think a lot of people say that, oh, it's, it's, not, it's not as good as Lamb, yada yada, I think people just aren't playing it right. You don't play it early just to save two or three damage on him. You play it when it's late game. The Mandalorian has four health left. Vader has now reached up to him. He's going to swing. You just need to do a little more work to win the game. You just need a little more things to go your way to complete your plan and properly execute it. That is what Iron Will is there for. Because here's the thing. Vader can counteract Lamb with Parting Blow. If you have four health left and you play Iron Will, then I don't care what you have in your hand, I'm going to survive. Sure, you can have something like a Force well, Choke, or you can have yeah. Dark Energy. Sure, that's all well and good. But, you know, that the same thing applies for Lamb as well. I, th I still think it's one of the best cards in the game, and the fact that he has access to it while being a 16 health guy, I think is very good. Yeah, and Hunter. You know, that's and Hunter. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His jetpack is a little good. bit slower than Boba's, though. Yes. He's a little more green with using it. He's not quite as used to it as uh, Mr. Fett is. But you can really create some thematic lists. You know, in a list, you could have the Mandalorian, you could have Kara, and you could have Boba Fett with some temporary alliance. But, Jess, would you like to read the next Mandalorian character making his way into IACP? Ew, but he's yucky looking. <laughs> he's a very mean looking dude. <laughs> We've got Migs Mayfeld, survivor of Burnin' Con. Burnin' Con? That I sounds like so. a convention. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smuggler trooper. 10 health, speed 4, attack ranged attack, blue, green, yellow, white defense die for 7 points. He has a built-in plus 1 accuracy and gain 1 damage token. Surge for Pierce 2 and gain 1 token of your choice. Surge for plus 1 accuracy, plus 1 damage. He has the abilities Droid Arm. Before you declare an attack, you may discard a power token to draw a line of sight to the target from a space adjacent to you. Ooh, that's interesting. Yes. Guns out. After an attack targeting you is resolved, you can interrupt to perform an attack targeting that attacker. Apply minus one damage to the attack results, limit once per round. Fast talker. While defending, you may discard a power token to apply either plus one block or plus one evade to the defense results. Oh, so this is kind of interesting. He has surge to gain whatever power tokens he wants and then he can actually spend them for other effects instead of just their normal effects exactly so and the thing about false stalker as well is that that's while defending that's after dice have been rolled so you can spend oh, a power token as say a block token nice and then add another block or an evade as required but that that one does doesn't have a, a limit is it limit once i guess so you can spend one, and then you can discard your other one to add another. Yeah, because normally defense. you would only be mm -hmm. able to spend one power token in the defense, right? Uh, yes, but you know, as as written, I'm not sure if that was the intention, but as written, yes, you, if you if he's got two tokens, he could add two blocks or two of eight or one of each. So that's that's pretty cool. And mm -hmm. the thing is that he might need it because he's health ten, 
white defense die, no innate defense for seven points. That's very, very squishy. But with yeah. guns out and false talker, I think there are some interesting and things you can do. And also with droid arm, you can kind of position mm. him a little bit more safely as well, right? Around corners yeah. and things. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. Also, it, I think he's the first character that just gains power tokens on attacking. Yes. Without spending anything. So he's got that surge ability, but he also just gains one damage token. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. So I think you might want to run him with something like either put him into Empire, run him with Thrawn, or maybe, you know, in in Mercenary, you could put in someone such as, say, a Claudite who can conspire turn one to give him some tokens. So I think that would be a good thing. He does want a token, because if you give him a surge token, you're guaranteeing to get that wild power token off from your first attack in addition to the plus one damage just automatically which means after one attack he's gonna have two tokens on him and it seems that you want him to have tokens on him at all times the fact that droid arm means that he can he's ro he's rolling yellow though you you can oversurge really easily true but i i guess it depends on who you're attacking because if they've got a white die then I think that having that extra power token is so critical that you would probably be willing to run the risk of oversurging. This is, this is obviously when, when I put a surge token on him and then he attacks something and you just roll surge, 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 <laughs> plus one surge. <laughs> exactly. And, and his, his surge abilities aren't great. You know, surge for plus one, surge for PS2. It's interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes. I don't think he's... I think he's one of the biggest, most Johnny cards to come out of this season. Because he's got some fun combos, but he's not hes not Spike. For mm. seven points, there's more direct value, but I think if you play him well, and Droid Arm can be very sneaky. Yeah, I'm interested to see if we have some real shenanigans with Droid Arm. The thing that I like about Droid Arm as well is that it doesn't say empty space adjacent to you. Oh, Which means yeah. that you can actually mm -hmm. draw line of sight from an occupied space. That, which could be very difficult to to counteract, or rather to mm -hmm. try and account for. So that's interesting. I mean, I guess you can draw a line of sight from strange terrain-locked spaces. Mm. Well, we'll see. I personally don't see myself playing him. It's just a little too weird for me. <laughs> um, I like my stuff straightforward, but I can see people doing some interesting things with him. And then we've got his command card is called Honoring the Fallen. Use when you declare an attack to apply plus one damage to the attack results for each defeated friendly figure to a maximum of three and for two cost. Very situational. Generally, you don't want to be having cards that you can only use when you've lost stuff because you don't want to be losing stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, this one is... I, I, I'm... I'm not sure I would put it in. So there are some fun comments. This is why I say that he is such a Johnny player. And I'm going to say it now because I've got a feeling I might forget by the time we get to it. But there is a character in Empire we're going to talk about later who can kill friendly figures to gain more victory points. So if you were to put Migs in an Imperialist, you then th just spam three regular officers. That Imperial character that we'll get to later, to get more objectives, he'll kill all the three officers. And then Migs can run around and he can get plus three damage on one attack. So I, I don't think it's awful. I think, again, I think you've, you can definitely design a list with it using the unnamed Imperial figure and a bunch of, you know, just rebel troop, uh, storm, regular stormtroopers, for example, 
all of just officers and just use this card then to really spike his damage out because let's be honest he doesn't have a reroll blue green yellow we've all played Hera. we know that she can whiff so i don't think he's incredible but i think that he is one of the most johnny characters that we have which i think is a good thing yeah we'll see how people uh people use it all right well david would you like to talk about the slimiest the grossest and the ugliest twillick to ever exist mm, i think there might be uglier but... <laughs> i'm okay with bim actually <laughs> bim, yeah bim, he's bim okay. fortuna he's got some some nice you know fashion sense <laughs> yeah so we, we've got we've got jabba's uh major domo finally smuggler leader he's three points which is nice health five speed three Sounds familiar, kind of like 3PO. But he attacks with green-green, and he's got a black defense dice. One built-in accuracy, surge for plus two damage, and surge for plus one accuracy, pierce one. Uh, his abilities are dirty dealing. You can't be included in the same army as any rebel deployment cards. So bringing Bib basically locks you out of the temporary alliance. And his, he's got another ability called bartered information choose another friendly scum figure within two spaces then you may spend uh one vp to choose another such figure each chosen figure becomes focused so he can he can focus or he can double focus by spending victory points and his last ability is illicit income when your player gains vps from using a command card or deployment card gain one extra vp limit once per round so i i really like him um he's definitely seems interesting enough that you would want to drop all those rebel scum in favor of regular scum just your average normal regular scum <laughs> yep just your regular scum and he plays really well with with a lot of the other uh, scum cards right yeah and obviously it goes really well with Jabba. The kind of VP manipulation stuff goes with that theme. So I'm, I am actually quite surprised by his attack abilities. So green, green, green with plus one built-in accuracy, surge for plus two damage, and another surge for plus one accuracy, and pierce one means that his ceiling is actually quite good. I was thinking that too. He seems pretty fighty. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that Bib will essentially replace Gideon in mercenary lists, I think. And Gideon does hit well. You know, Gideon yeah. hits hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're going to have a figure compete with Gideon well, without being broken, I think you need a decent attack. He's not going to be attacking much because he wants to be focusing. He wants to run around. And again, health 5, speed 3, black defense type. When push comes to shelf, he can do surprisingly well. Yeah, I mean, if you focus him and you manage to give him a surge token, you ro roll well. He's basically a buffed up weak way. Yeah, and I like how I I can see that in this design, the the team was basically trying to see how can we get people to stop just using Rebel Care Package, right? <laughs> yeah. like, it's very clear, mm. but I like it. it. It opens up a few more options because that was... That is definitely the part of the meta that I think is the most stale. It's just 
everybody just wants their focusers and it's just so used. So this yeah. is cool that I can definitely see opening up for some other types of support packages. You know, your good old everyday scum instead of rebel scum. I mean, so is illicit income, it is intended that anytime you trigger anything off a deployment card, it works, right? Well, it's once per round. Yeah. But yes, so for example, so if you get a victory point from a command card or a deployment card. So things like Jabba's ability, you would be able to get an extra one, or a Hondo. Exactly. You wouldn't get it from killing figures, you wouldn't get it from mission objectives. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's essentially the idea. You want to put him in that kind of list, a, a full-on scumby P-list. But here's the thing. The thing that I think is so good about this is that now you can finally build scumby P-lists without needing to run Sabine. Because you can't run Sabine with him, which is good, because Rebel Graffiti with illicit income would be disgusting. Mm, oh, and yeah. that was very much oh, the yeah. intended design. Essentially, give people, okay, let's not have Rebel Graffiti. Instead, let's have this thing, which gives you one point around if you are able to play certain cards. Without he because Sabine is stupid in more ways than just having Rebel Graffiti. Oh yeah, Sabine was just... I'm not sure what they were doing with that design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not even talk about how she was in Spectre Cell days. Let's let's also not think too hard about whether Rebel Graffiti is still better than this. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that I, I would need to think quite hard about that. Yeah. The thing is, though, that, you know, this is one point around. Graffiti is two around. And if you draw it round one, it's very possibly an extra eight points. This it's one prob is probably four points. four points on your um, final round because you'll play it with someone else as well. Possibly, yeah. And that's assuming it doesn't get negated. Whereas illicit income, you're not going to get it every single round. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It's more like um, the scum version of putting diplomatic on a Gideon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For one yeah, less I point. Like it, hmm. no, it's interesting. I like it. Okay, let's take a look at his command card. Yes. Palace Politics. Use when a hostile figure within three spaces declares an attack targeting a unique friendly figure. The attack misses unless your opponent pays you two victory <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very thematic card, isn't it? It's very thematic. Yep, I yeah, just straight up like it. I think it's pretty cool. It's one cost. It's one of those things where it's not always that useful. No. You can't see it being used all the time. Um, but I like it. Hmm. The fact that it's a hostile figure within three spaces, rather than when a hostile figure declares on a friendly within three, it's going to make right. it a lot more difficult to play. Yeah. Yeah, that will be quite hard. But I mean, late game, if there's just a few points between the winner and the loser, this could be game-changing. Yeah, if they forget or something. Or you, you, can, you can have Afra um, play it again, right? <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly possible. That would be cute. <laughs> so no attacks off. Especially, you know, if you're that late game, both players are looking at, you know, they're both at 38, 39. <laughs> yeah <laughs> could be gross alrighty I'll read off the final mercenary card which is a skirmish upgrade very simple it is first strike it's an attachment skirmish upgrade 
After setup, you and your opponent both receive four victory points. That's the same as the FFG version that came with core sets. The only change is the points. Instead of two points, it is now one point, which means you are definitely going to run this if you take Bib. Because it allows you mm. to get two focuses out round one, and because of illicit income, you're getting five points out of it, which is amazing. It's good. It's very, very... Actually, do you? A skirmish upgrade isn't a deployment card, though. It is not. It is not a deployment mm. card or a command card. Well, that's that's fine. I mean, you're you're going to be able to trigger the, the other thing, most yeah. likely. Anyways. Mm -hmm. I kind of don't like it. I was leaning that to way honest. towards that as well. But... Interesting. Okay. So... so... The reason is because it benefits pure VP rush, okay? And I think anybody who's played against actual VP rush Jawa Swarm... It's kind of gross. I, I, think, I think they don't need a plus four at the start of the game, to be honest. Um, mm. And it actually plays counter to palace politics and um, making deals with Hondo. Because if you if you are gonna play VP manipulation to manipulate combat, you do not want your opponent to have VPs to pay you either, right? Because you you if you get Hondo, you know it's it's nice to kind of be able to play around. If they don't have VPs, you know you're gonna get two extra damage, or or you threaten that swing. Whereas if you put place this in, you sort of take that layer of choices away from yourself and you commit fully to just rushing to the the points win uh i'm not sure i completely agree to be honest because i mean it is true to an extent that sure your opponent now has the option but unless you are desperate you're not going to spend because it's not even just spend it's pay two victory points to your opponents it's a four victory point swing to avoid you two damage the thing is that I think if you're running first strike, if your opponent pays you twice, you are more than happy to sacrifice four damage in exchange for starting the game at eight versus zero victory points. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, I would actually, say that. I was actually leaning towards not liking this card for kind of the opposite version of what David was saying. <laughs> well, that's I think that it leans really hard into that VP rush and it's very difficult in some matchups to prevent it so i'm not sure like i i i don't have strong this is a bad card vibes but there are some matchups that i think it it would be pretty gross if it went full into vp rush but at that being said at the moment we're not seeing that strategy being used a whole lot in in the current meta. Is that because of strength, or is that because people agree that it's not that fun? Yeah, that's the, that's what I was thinking too. It's just it's just kind of yuck sometimes. Because mm. I I think pure VP is really strong and has always been really strong. It doesn't even matter what kind of queen pieces or cool combos you you design. Well, with the uh, exception of Imperial Spies, who can probably deal with the VP command cards, at least. <laughs> but like they, they're almost playing their own minigame, right? They don't need to hit you, they just need to trigger some things and play some cards. 
So I, I think that's that's weird. I mean, it, it's not a huge change on first strike. It's only it's only two points down to one, right? But I I don't really like the prospect of VP rushing so so hard. Interesting. Because I, I always had the feeling before that if you're playing against full VP rush, if you can counter two of their VP things, you have a decent chance of beating them to 40. The problem is four points is roughly two VP things, so they get it for free now. I guess that is interesting, because I've been thinking about Bib in terms of, well, you know, I've seen it as a Bib card, and mm-hmm. I'm not that scared about points rush if Sabine isn't a problem. I, I don't, I'm not thinking about a list with Bib. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like Java Swarm with Sabine and mm. Graffiti, basically. Yeah. No, How I, fast I see what you're they, saying. Though. Yeah, can they hit 40 with that? Interesting. Well, I guess we'll just see where the season goes. I think that's a very good point. I did not think it's, about that. It's also not not a problem if nobody plays it. That's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> if everybody's like, yeah, we're tired of that now. <laughs> it's not a problem. Indeed. Right, well, any final general thoughts on the Scum Faction before we dive into the Empire? Yeah, looks looks great. I mean, Bib, especially. Mm. I'm tired of seeing those rebel scum <laughs> with, <laughs> with my regular scum. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be good fun. Looking forward to seeing what happens. But for me, I'm probably more excited about the Rebel and the Imperial factions this season. So speaking of that, let's dive right in. Jessica, would you like to introduce us to the brand new Moffin Town? All right. So we've got Moff Gideon, Ruthless War Criminal, Leader Spy, Health 10, Speed 4, Ranged Attack, Blue, Green, Yellow, Black Defense Die, for six points. He has a surge for two damage, surge for plus two accuracy, and focus. ISB Intel. At the start of a round, you may name a command card and then look at an opponent's hand and choose a card with that name and discard it. Limit once permission. Expendable Allies. When your player gains VPs from a mission effect, you may defeat a friendly, non-companion figure within three spaces to gain four additional VPs. Limit once per round. Spoils of Mandalore. During setup, if the Darksaber, Weapon of the Ancients, is in your army, you may attach it to this group. If you do, gain plus two health. Oh boy, this is a this is a bad dude. <laughs> well, you look at that, another six point imperial spy figure. Yay! No, I <laughs> so sarcasm sarcasm aside, um, I th- I think this guy is really cool. Yes, I'm sick of spies, but this guy is, is actually a figure who should be a spy because he works in the ISB, unlike Cassian and K two S O and those kinds of figures. But I mean, I like it. I love ISB intel. The fact that it could completely flop, but you just have the knowledge that, okay, this round my opponent will not get on the lamb unless they draw it in the middle of the round. If it's yeah. round three and you're close to killing Han, you mm. you pop this and you say, okay, I say on the lamb. Your opponent shows, the, shows you their hand. If they have a lamb, great, it's gone. If they don't, great, Han's gonna die. Yeah, it's like, great, they still don't have it, you know? E- yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I love abilities like that. I mean, or or he can obviously intel leak or something, and then yeah. play it after. Exactly. So he is flexible, I think, you know, 
he has to be a spy just because of law reasons, but you know, realistically speaking, I don't think he actually gameplay-wise needs to be a spy. I think ISB Intel is good enough. ISB Intel seems really strong because it's mm. not just the ability to guarantee them not having a card. You get to see what cards they have. Yeah. So you like even if you are, you know, only calling out the name of one card that you're particularly worried about, you get to see what tools they have in their hand. That kind of gets you to see a little bit of what they might be doing and play around it. That is not to be underestimated. No. I mean, this is this is start of round effects, right? Exactly. So, so you you can also target their initiative swing cards. Yep. Yep. Oh, nasty. It's very very cool. And you know, it, it makes sense because as Moff Gideon very famously said, he knows everything. And this feels very thematic. What I do like about him as well is that this is, again, one of those abilities that you have to play well. This is an ability where you mm -hmm. need good knowledge about the available cards in the game. You need to know that beta lists usually run Parting Blow. You need to know every list has negation. You need to know that Han is going to think about on the land. You need to know, you need to know, you need to know, you need to know. Those kinds of things, I just think, is a good thing. Not every card should be like that. You know, there should be cards that are fundamentally easy and simple to play for newer players. That's a good thing. It's also a good thing to have cards which reward you for being an experienced player. And I think this is 100% that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I really like it. I think it's cool. I'm worried it's too strong, but we're kind of going to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I, when you talked about the initiative swing thing as well, that makes a lot of sense. So at the, end, at the start of the round, you can see whether or not they have their... Uh, their their take initiative and you can then play around that because you would know that ah, I have the negation for that or I'm not going to run up and place my figures poised for the next round because I know that they are going to get initiative like that is really really strong I agree man this is so mean killing yeah. his own guys <laughs> I am not playing this dude no matter how good he is <laughs> I, I do. I am very glad that we had the non-companion clause. I mean, we have to just put that on everything which involves defeating royal guards, Moff Gideon. Because yeah, you don't want those junk droids. Yes. Yeah. That's just no. Exactly. Just no. But something which is very very fun is royal guards are coming back with Moff Gideon because round one you got two sets of royal guards, you've got Gideon and you've got an a officer. As long as you get a point from mission effects that first turn. You just kill the officer, all the royal guards become focused in mover space, and then Bob's your uncle, you're going to have some fun. That's nasty. Nasty. I'm very much looking forward to abusing that as much as I can. <laughs> Alright, we've got his command card. I know everything. Use at the start of a round to look at an opponent's hand and deck of command cards. You may choose one card. Shuffle the deck, then move the chosen card to the bottom of the deck. Gross! Whoa. So gross! <laughs> Ew! I hate him. I hate him so much now. And it's zero this is points. Nasty. Yeah. Zero it, oh yeah. Points. This is so nasty. And this is one of those things where you get to look and you don't tell them what you've chosen, right? So yes. they have no idea what you've put at the bottom of the deck. They can guess, but. 
Ooh, that's nasty. That's well, if you nasty. take something from their hand, I assume they know. Well, yes, but yeah. if it's not in their hand. Because at least, like, the Thrawn one, you you, you know what they... Because it's discarded, so you would at least yes. have the information of what they discard. But in this one, it, since it's just put at the bottom, you have no idea what they've done. And then you ISB intel right after. Exactly. Something else. And the combo of doing both of them in the same turn is gross, because you can first so play gross. I know everything to see exactly what cards are in their hand, and then knowing what cards are in their hand, you can guarantee that you will discard the best card in their hand. So you can say, okay, on I know everything, I'm going to take a look at your entire hand, your entire deck, make sure on the lamb is on the bottom, and then, okay, I know you don't have on the lamb in your hand, but I did see you have tools, so I'm going to crack ISB until I'm, and I'm going to save tools for the job. That's a very nasty combo. But again, it's once it's one round. You know, you get the command card once, unless you run Afra. Yeah. You get the ISB Intel ability once. Uh, Afra. <laughs> but but I I think what you said there, Jess, was so nice because it is a soft discard, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. it's not discard, you can technically still draw it, but you're unlikely to draw your entire deck. And you don't know what card it is that I've decided you're not going to use this turn, this game. It's very nasty. Yeah, I've definitely had my big, big card just never get drawn or be the very last card. And it makes or breaks games. So I've had games where I've played, let's say, uh, Luke Skywalker. And I'm really looking for that son of Skywalker. And I build a lot of card drawn to my deck, but just get bad luck and it's at the bottom of your deck that makes a big difference um and have the flexibility of no matter who you go up against there are going to be those command cards in their deck that are super powerful that you're really hoping to draw and just to just know that it's not going to be there and also you know when they're going to get that card even if they do draw it right so even if they do manage to draw it you know exactly when it's coming out 100 percent Alright, the next one is the Dark Trooper, Mark 3. 10 health, 4 speed, blue-red attack dice for 6 points. But it does have advanced targeting computer, so it's one of those when when you declare an uh, attack, you become focused. During this attack, you may re-roll one attack die. And if the re-rolled die has fewer damage symbols than before it was re-rolled, apply plus one damage to the attack results. <laughs> which, is, which is fun. Um, also has Duras Steel Fist. Once during your activation, you may choose one adjacent figure or object and roll a green die. It suffers damage equal to the damage results. Then if you rolled a search and the target was a figure, you may push it up to one space has an action called lift off move up to four spaces during this movement you gain mobile it's a little bit of a jetpack thing going it is not a vehicle though this is one of the best troopers now in the imperial faction it looks it looks nasty they are ridiculously nasty autofocus they got blue red green and the way that reroll works is disgusting if you have if you max roll you know let's say you you get two on the blue two on the green two on the red and a surge on the red you can re-roll the green if you roll into damage surge that is still counted as less damage symbols even though you've now got an extra surge oh that's so now suddenly your damage damage has turned into damage damage surge 
That's yeah, nasty. Quite, quite good. It's very nasty. It's so, so good. Uh, Durasteel Fist, excellent. You know, that was just, that's what they had in the in the series. We very clearly saw them punching through a Durasteel door. Makes sense for them to have a good punch, but, you know, they're just six points. They shouldn't have a Chewbacca or Kara level punch. So it's green die, but very, very critically here, they can choose an adjacent object, whereas Kara cannot. She can only choose figures. Oh, aha. Okay. And also, Jess, you said that you liked, you know, the random chance. You only push them if you roll a surge, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So you have to do either zero or one damage to push them. If you do two damage, great, but you don't get to push them, which I think is interesting. Yeah, they look pretty solid. Mm. Is it is it two figures in the in the group? No, just one. Oh, okay. Which means that at most you can have two on the board, which is good. Because um, we were trying to play around with them in a way which could give us a two-figure deployment. It just didn't work. Because they had to be so good. Because essentially, you know, we have to compare them to the sentries. Because that's going to be the main comparison point. They're expensive Imperial droids. And if we compare the series, the dark troopers are obviously far superior than the sentry droids. Which means we had to make them more expensive. So we, you know, we tried to make a ten-five group. We tried to make a twelve-six group. It just turned oppressive when you could use two of them in an activation. So we decided yeah, to split yeah, them yeah. eventually. No, just I, one I think this is the right choice. Yeah, six points, ten health, and you have the. They only have a two dice attack pool, but because of the advanced targeting computer, you've got that become focus. That just means that they cannot become focused and then you don't have to worry about giving them any focus exactly because what we found in playtesting because originally their attack pool was blue red green we discovered very quickly that they became oh so stupid in the scum faction because they were so Mm. cheap it's easy to just go focus yep exactly access to focus and suddenly you're looking at blue red green green the things that even with the autofocus they have onar's attack they have onar's attack And they can punch someone, just like Ona. So, you know, I could see a very fun scum list of having two Dark Troopers oh, and Ona. Onars. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> all Onars all the time. Exactly. David has said this already, that he could just play all Onars he would. <laughs> I mean, that would fun. be fun. No, I'm very excited for these guys. Uh, they, I think, aren't going to work very well with Krennic because they also very much want to get in. Story of Steel Fist is good. And I like the fact that Liftoff is... They just don't automatically have mobile. Yeah. Liftoff means they have to move the four from mobile immediately, which makes sense because if we look at them in the series, they're not the kind of dodge and weave, super flexible, super dynamic kind of you know jetpack users. No, they got jump jets. Yeah. They are programmed with one purpose. They do the purpose. They do it so well that you can't stop them from doing their purpose. But they are single-minded. They will go in and they will do something and they will stay there. And I think that is I think we I think we really nailed their design. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, they mm-hmm. were good. Yeah. Very fun. I think they'll make their way into a lot of Imperial and Mercenary lists, which I'm excited to see. Okay, so next one, we have another squad upgrade. And this is the Flame Trooper. So we have the Flame Trooper, Trooper, Heavy Weapon, Squad Upgrade, for a cost of 5. He's Health 9, Speed 4, a Range Attack of Red-Green, a Defense of 1 Black Die. 
He has priority target, so automatically he doesn't count figures for line of sight. He's got an innate plus two accuracy and an innate weaken. He has search for plus two damage, search for blast one. He's of course an attachment, non-unique Imperial Trooper group with two figures only. Because again, we don't want to create too much craziness. With three Stormtroopers and one of this all in one go would be a little bit crazy. He has two abilities, again, which I think is a good thing. Incinerate. After resolving an attack, each figure that suffered damage since this attack was declared suffers one strain. Then, if the attack did not miss, place a napalm token in the attack space. And fireproof. You cannot suffer strain. You are unaffected by your own blast and abilities with flamethrower in their name. You are not affected by napalm tokens. So before we go into the card itself, I'll just read off what a napalm token does. Napalm token. A space containing this token is difficult terrain. When a figure enters or starts its activation in this space, that figure suffers two strain. Two strain? Nasty. That means that when you attack someone with a flame trooper, they are taking the full attack to the face, plus three strain. One from incinerate, and then two next time they activate. That's nasty. That is nasty. <laughs> and with blast one as well, the incinerate can really hit a lot of people. I think this is a very fun figure, and you can run him in so many different groups as well because of how many options there are in the Imperial faction. You can go Jet Troopers, you can go with Short Troopers. There are so options there. I think that's very, very cool. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, there aren't that many strain mechanics in Imperial, right? Well, the Riot Troopers would be the main one, which I think that yeah. he could work very well with. You could strain out your opponents disgustingly quickly mm. okay that's true yeah it does stack with riot troopers and doobies yes uh, you could put these guys on on riots that's fun you could you indeed. Have, you could have yeah. so many of the i guess they're limit two as well though, exactly since they're elite yeah yeah exactly so you can only have two in the list but you know if you go for two sets mm. of elite riot troopers and two flame troopers attached with them or you could go budget with the regular riots. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I like the regular riots. Up cheap. <laughs> they are. I think he's very, very good. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. He unfortunately can't benefit from Krennic, as he can't suffer strain, which means he can't take the cost from Krennic's ability, and the wording means that he then can't gain the benefit, which is a shame. That would have been fun. But at the same time, I get it. <laughs> yeah. This guy being able to just every turn for no cost have pl have red green plus two damage, it's a little crazy. Hmm. I I like that he cannot be affected by his own blast. That's yes. pretty cool. Flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, and can just walk through those napalm tokens. Is there a limit to how many tokens can be on the board? No, it's nope. essentially a rework of a rubble token, essentially. Sure. Yeah. Do they, do they count as uh, as difficult terrain or anything? Yes, a space containing this token is difficult terrain. When a figure enters or starts its activation in this space, they suffer two strain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be quite a pain to get through it towards your opponent. A rubble token is you know, that's just a, that's just difficult terrain. Yeah, you have to take strain to move through it, which is frightening. Yeah, that looks nasty. Right, well, Jess, would you like to read the final 
Imperial card for us. All right, we've got Snowtroopers. David has some really nice looking Snowtroopers. Uh, we've got 11 points, four points for each figure, seven health, four speed, attack ranged, attack with blue, green, yellow, black defense die. Uh, they've got efficient travel, uh, surge four plus two accuracy weaken, surge for pierce two, surge for focus. Action, Disruptor Rifle, perform an attack after this attack resolves if it did not miss and the target has suffered damage equal to its health minus one, the target suffers one damage. Oh, it's just like a, if you almost killed them, you all the way killed them. Exactly. Spiked Boots, you cannot be pushed except by the effects of the massive keyword. Oh, that's interesting. Immune, you cannot gain harmful conditions. Oh, okay. These guys are very, very cool. Yeah, they look pretty solid. Not too excited, but they, they do look generally good. So hmm. they've lost their recover, because that's what they had before. They used to be able to heal. I think Disruptor is fun. Yes. But they their offensive surges are not that great. Focus is nice. Yeah, depends how you feel about about focus i mean I, I guess we're not in the era of shooting doors to focus up <laughs> no but we are in the era of shooting crickness to focus up so i think yeah that'll destroy the crickna mission and again i think they're another unit who will very much benefit from krennic because they have mm. good range they have very good range they can stick back yeah they do have an accuracy search yeah and if you focus them and then give them a token doubling they're okay with not having a search for plus two. And we're also going to get to a new card later in the neutral command card section, which is going to give them some fun options, let's just say that. Yeah, they, they look they look pretty good. Hmm, I agree. I, I don't think they're insane. I don't think they're going to change the way... They're just another option, and they fit a completely yeah. different niche. We don't really have a competitive three-figure group, which isn't, you know, turned into three groups, three figures by a squad upgrade. So I think they have an interesting niche. I think they'll do interesting things. The fact that they can't be pushed will be very, very useful. Yeah, I think I think the the spike boots and the immune, obviously, when when you randomly hit a list that's quite dependent on that, it'll mm. be amazing. Yeah. yeah, there's actually quite a few figures that are really good that do pushing around stuff. Like Boba Fett can push people around, and he's played a lot in the new meta. Uh, Diala can push figures around a lot. She's also very popular. So I think both of those uh, figures are pretty common, and that that's pretty nice to just take that option away from them. Exactly, because essentially these guys are the only figures in the game I believe, who are completely immune to parting blow. No, I think they're interesting. Nothing too crazy. It's not the roof isn't falling down, but it's they're fine. Yeah, I like it. I like just more options. Yeah, and they're uh, a point more cost, but they also have uh, one extra health. Uh, so the seven health limit is 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 a is a big difference. Like the six to yeah. seven health really makes them harder to to get right. Like in that one one round. Hundred percent. Alright, well, any final thoughts on the Imperial faction? We've seen a lot of very interesting cards. I think yeah, definitely troopers good. have a lot more options now. Oh yeah. my gosh, and Moth Gideon looks so nasty, but I don't play Spy, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. 
Yeah, looking right. forward to it. So we just have the two command cards left. Yes. So, David, would you like to read the first one for us? Sure. The first one is a zero. Expose weakness. Use during your activation to choose an adjacent hostile figure. The next attack targeting that figure gains pierce three. So it should be pretty good on most most brawlers that don't have lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think the original one was almost never never used because of the cost. Mm-hmm. It used to cost an action, right? Which is a bit, bit Yeah, annoying. that's never going to get used. <laughs> I actually did use it for a while uh, while I was running my Han Rangers triple smugglers list. Because the ability to spend an action on a smuggler to give mm. Han a PS3 against That's Vader true. Yeah, if you was have a pretty smuggler. worthless. Yeah, that makes sense. But now that there are so many good models in the game, we don't really see that kind of a few good models and then a ton of support and then a few cheap object- objective grabbers. So that kind of archetype isn't really a thing anymore, so you don't really see that. I think it's interesting. I think the biggest winners by far from this card are the Riot Troopers. If you play Riot Troopers, you are putting this card in every single time, because it's insane. But apart from that, you know, most good melee figures, they've got at least PS1, maybe PS2. And unless you're going into Vader, PS3 or PS1 isn't a huge difference. So. Yeah, but now now you can get your Jedi with Pierce 6 or whatever yeah. <laughs> attacking Vader. True, but that's going to be very situational. Because yes, if you don't go up against Vader, it's not happening. You can do it twice with Afra. <laughs> yeah, I like this kind of card design where it's just, this is a very usable card, but it's not like a you always include it, yeah. which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I'll dive into the final card for ISCP Season 6 then. And that is one of the oldest cards in the game. We have Covering Fire. Three points. One, include one in the deck. Use at the start of the round. During this round, each of your troopers applies plus one search to their attack results and gains. Search for stun. If the target was already stunned, apply plus two damage to the attack results. So the difference between this and the original is just that now all of your troopers gain plus one surge. And I think that is enough. This is great. I I think so, because now you actually get that extra surge. So you can use, so after you've managed to stun them, you can use your original surge for plus two damage to be able to get the surge for plus two damage out. And then you have another surge to do it again. And that is really why you're taking it. You're not taking it for the stun. You're taking it for the ability for your stormtroopers to be able to spend two surges for plus four damage. Yeah, this is great. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty appropriate update. I mean, covering fire was was played. Yeah. Back back when you could play um, regular, so non elite trooper swarm, mm-hmm. because you could just get enough shots that you could get value out of this. But I think we went through an era where regular troopers basically don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They couldn't get through enough damage, yeah. and it was just, they would, were just fodder. And then I think with, with the elites, you didn't over-surge enough to get enough value from this. So adding a surge solves that problem pretty nicely. Yeah, I definitely see myself putting this in and using it. We'll see. Hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think it's going to be a very interesting card. And you're, you're not going to put it in all of your trooper lists. It has to be a, a heavy trooper list. But yeah, the feeling you're going to have if at the start of the round you have, you've got an Imperialist, you draw Deploy the Garrison, Covering Fire, and Call the Vanguard, that is going to be a wonderful start of the turn. 
I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to do interesting things. And again, I think that the snowtroopers will love this. Yeah. They're going to really, really like it. Because they can then search for Sun and search for Weaken, and then afterwards search for PS2 and Plus 2 and Focus. So I think they're going to be very, very good. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But yeah, so before we wrap the episode up, it's been dragging on a little long. But do you guys have any final general thoughts about the look of this Season 6 so far? I think it Season 6 does look a bit more coherent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of polished changes to the game. Whereas some some of the other seasons we had a lot more a lot more cards, but you always had this feeling that you're not really interested in trying half of them perhaps and you you don't expect all of them to see play. Whereas I I do feel like um we do have fewer cards, but these are all quite interesting yeah i feel like these are like not as flashy as some of the other seasons like when you have a big boba fetch change or something like that but these feel very polished the cards are really easy to understand we've had kind of past seasons where there was like awkward wording but i feel like now like we've kind of cracked it you know that the the committee i think has really got how to word the cards and so that we've got a lot of really elegantly executed solutions to some awkward things that we've encountered in the past it looks really good absolutely i completely agree i mean like you said it's not that flashy but rather than a little bit of flash and then a lot of random stuff we've got a lot of interesting stuff which i think is good i think every single faction has things which will change the way they're played not in a way but here's the critical thing not in a way which makes you have to change the way they're played. It's not yes. some, here's an overpowered character you're going to run in every list. No. In Rebels, it's now viable to run a queen, you know, protect the queen kind of list where you've got Kara just dominating the battlefield. That is absolutely an option. You can also now have a list where you've got just heavy rebel troopers, and that could be very viable. In Skung, you can go double super jetpack guy. You can have Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. You've got Migs Mayfield, who completely changes the way that line of sight works and with his different attacks and then also bib is able to do all of these things that allow you to actually run a full scumless and you're not handicapping yourself which is awesome and then an empire we've got yet another six point or seven point if you take the uh, the dark saber spy figure but he plays in a different way and i think you know sure there's a lot of competition you've got him you've got callus you've got thrawn you've got Aiden, but they all play in very different ways so it doesn't really feel like it's that oppressive. I think if you were to run all four of them in a list, that would be a lot of command card control. But at that point, you know, Gideon doesn't have an insane attack. So you're paying for it, which mm-hmm. I think is a good thing. It's not like Aiden, where she just happens to be, to be a spy whilst having an incredible attack. Dark Troopers are awesome, Flame Troopers are awesome, Stone Troopers are awesome. I, I just think it's a generally a very nice season. Yeah, I think all factions, I think, should be very, very happy with what they've got. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what lists people put together. Yes. I've got some very, very gross ideas that I very much look forward to giving a try. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. And with that, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. It's been a long episode, but it's been a good one. It's been nice to get back into it again and get recording and all of that. So we want to, as usual, thank everyone for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.